that's what I said. James is darn good. But he's better. And I'm better than both of them. No brag, just fact. Welcome to Doc's Freedom Files. This is the most reverend Doc, here once again to address gun control. I am moved in the spirit to do this after reading that my fellow man of the cloth, that pinnacle of ecumenical, the Reverend Jesse Jackson, informed America that semi-automatic rifles are a national security threat. He said that they can shoot down airplanes and blow up railroads. Railroads, mind you, not just the odd locomotive or caboose. I quail in fright for our brethren at Amtrak and Union Pacific. Perhaps out of concern for the sensibilities of the nation, the Reverend Jackson didn't explain that these rifles can also shoot down satellites, destroy cities, and sink continents. Have you seen Smith & Wesson's new Sputnik, Nagasaki, or Atlantis models? No, folks. As you know, I'm not a reverend, but neither am I an old fraudster like Jesse. When the anti-gun lobby scrapes the bottom of the barrel to drag out a vintage reprobate like Jackson, you know they are getting desperate. When a hoary, liberal has-been like Jackson resorts to out-and-out fantasies about airplanes, railroads, and rifles, you know he's reached a new nadir of irrelevancy. Airplanes and railroads, indeed. This is Doc Toops wishing you life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness.
Time for the shooting bench. If political incorrectness offends you, or if you don't like guns, or if you don't believe our government is corrupt enough to compare to 1938 Nazi Germany, this may not be the show for you, because for the next two hours, that's all we're going to talk about. You need to understand that there's a storm coming. You need to understand that the storm is building strength. And most of all, you need to understand that we are the storm. After a little break here, we've made it back. Welcome to the Shooting Bench. It is the 13th of March. No, it's not. It's 13th of April. I can't even keep up with the days. Anyway, I hope everybody's doing well and had a good weekend. Uh, we've had a busy weekend. It's going to be a busy week coming up. I have uh, a very, very tight, very important deadline to keep up. So, uh, I'm, uh, I have a, a great deal lined up for you Wednesday night and I'm going to, as I always do, I'm going to try to get it, get it out that this has been a, uh, extremely hectic last few days and it's not going to get any better for the next six days. After that, I can tell you what it is that's so important. So sometime, oh, probably next Wednesday show, not, not this coming, not day after tomorrow. But the following Wednesday, I will uh, share that with you. And it is very important. You'll you'll get a kick out of it. I just can't get the uh, word out right now. So, uh, short show tonight. Like I said, I've got a lot of stuff going on. I, I can't take too long from it. But the uh, to make a long story short, the world has gone crazy. The amount of stuff, and it's not, and it's not funny, and it's not, it is much more urgent than, uh, than I guess than my tone makes out for it to be there, but, uh, and I don't even know, you know, I, I think that, um, I think that, that day that we've all been worried about is, is near. And, um, you know, some of the things that's happening right now, I can't even, uh, can't even believe. I mean, it's hard to even talk about. For instance, in Australia, they're using helicopters to find, um, people that are out camping in very remote areas, way out there, way, long ways away, way out there. In the middle of nowhere, out in the outback, out in the out of the outback. And they're using helicopters to find them. They get out there. They say they have defied the stay at home order. When they say stay at home, they mean stay at home. They don't mean go out in the open air where it's safe and, and or it's not possible to catch anything or, or, uh, or share anything out there. 
but um, I won't say it's not possible. But um, this has uh, when I got that that note there, I just threw up my hands because I don't even know where in the hell we're going right now. But a lot of stuff happening. Well, let's uh, let me start with the first. I got two or three things, additional things I want to share with you here. Uh, if I have time. So let's start with, let's go back to the economy a little bit. And we talked about that the last two or three shows. And, uh, you know, all of us, I hope, again, I hope, I know I told you this already, but I hope that everybody is putting food away as, as best you can. Because we are, I think, about to see a monumental, uh, both a shortage and a, well, I guess I should say availability going down, price going up, particularly for fresh food, fruits and vegetables and stuff. Do you hear several places, even here in Arizona, their uh, dairies are pouring out literally millions of gallons of milk, hundreds of thousands right here in, in Arizona, so millions across the country. They're saying, and the reason being, and I, I, I told you that uh, the, all this was going to come together, reason being is because all the restaurants are closed, all the schools are closed, all these places, cafeterias and stuff where they they sell a tremendous amount of this milk. And, you know, the price is going down. Uh, there's plenty of it on the shelves. You know, for the first couple of days there, first few days, it was kind of hard to find. But, uh, you know, there's plenty of milk now. Uh, prices are have dropped a little, at least here locally. But that's not enough to keep these dairy farmers in business if this goes on very long it's going to affect them too yes milk will freeze if you want to put a couple extra gallons away uh and if you've got a big freezer put uh two or three or four gallons whatever we got room for in there and uh, one thing I'll, I'll warn you about when you thaw it out don't as soon as it thaws part way and you think you can get a glass off of it don't do that Make sure it thaws completely because you're getting, you know, different, different, uh, uh, it kind of separates when it freezes and it thaws out. Um, I guess, I guess you get more water and less milk if you don't let it thaw and, and kind of shake it up and remix it. It's been my experience anyway. I've frozen many gallons of milk, and, uh, especially when I lived in Idaho, you know, we got, four or five or six gallons at a time because I only went to town once a month and uh, we had a big freezer and we put uh, milk in there that would last, you know, as long as we needed it to until our next trip. So anyway, the, what I'm getting at here is also because of this, I don't know how many other places are doing it, but in Florida, there are thousands of acres of squash and different types of vegetables that are just left to rot. Um, everybody says, well, that's just stupid. Why don't they give it to the food bank? They've been giving it to the food banks. 
the food banks have got to a point where they can't take anymore. Uh, they, they, they've given so much of it away. And do you think these people, how long do they reckon they can stay in business when they're giving away dump truck loads of fresh fruits and vegetables, mostly vegetables? Uh, they're laying it out by you know, acres and acres and acres, huge piles of squash and, and cucumbers and stuff that are laid out and they're just lay out there and rot. You know, the, the, the crows and the, the birds and the mice and all that will, will do well for quite a while on this, but it's just going to be a big, huge stinking mass of, of rotten vegetables. So, you know, all this is going to come back to bite us very soon. I, um, I, 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 I hate to even imagine what things are going to be like in six months. Even if this stops right now, if it stops today and we turned it around, uh, it would still be, probably be, probably be a couple of years before we would get over this. If it goes on for another month or so, and I've told you this already, but you know, if it goes on for another month or two, um, it's going to be a long, long, long time before we recover. And there, but the damage will already be done. People will have lost uh, homes and cars and, and jobs and everything else. So anyway, we, we've talked about that, so we need to get off of that. But we haven't talked about the food problem that is coming up. And uh, I have urged you guys, I don't know how many times, to put away lots of food. Survival tabs, great idea. I have... Uh, a, a, a sizable amount of survival tabs, uh, just for us here. And, um, I don't even know if they're available right now. I haven't checked for a while, but, uh, again, if we wanted to get together, I don't know what the prices are on them right now, but I would, I would guess that we can still keep them at $30 a bottle or so. Um, probably still about $10 cheaper than you can buy them commercially. So, uh, and, you know, if everybody wants, I'm not going to promote it. I'm not going to, you know, I'm tired of doing that. I've done it and done it and haven't got the response that I expected. So if you guys want to get together and you think that uh, you want to do this, I will jump on it like skinny on a toothpick. I'll be all over it to help you if I can. But uh, you guys are going to have to get a hold of me at this time. Okay, let's move on here. We've got, uh, let me, let me. Check along here and see. Got a big long line of stuff I'm going to try to cover because I've got to be done here um, before a certain time here. You know, we we've talked a little bit about, well, quite a bit actually, about martial law and about our rights being taken away and all that. And I'm starting to realize right now that Benjamin Franklin, um, you know, he he had it together. People are more than willing right now to give up their, um, hang on just a second here. Uh, there we go. People are more than willing to give up their, their rights for safety. More than willing. They are, and they'll argue about it. Yes, this is a good thing. Yes, I'll do that. They still don't get it. 
they just don't understand. Uh, we, we, I told you about the thing in um, Australia. Well, in Greenville, Mississippi, this is just one place. There was another one that I heard of. But they are giving or have given. This has already happened. This is real, and it's uh, it's done deal. That these cops handed out $500 tickets to everyone that was in attendance at this drive-in church service. Now, see, this is where it's gone crazy. You can't camp out in the outback in Australia. You can't go to a park. You can't go out and get away from people. Some places you can't even go to to, to forests and and uh, you know places out in the uh, in, in the urban areas. And in Mississippi, you heard about that one pastor that was jailed for going ahead and doing his service. Well, here in Mississippi, they handed out $500 tickets to the entire congregation that was in, in a parking lot in their cars at a, uh, a, a drive-in prayer service of $500 tickets for every, not every car, mind you, every person. If you and your spouse was in the car, that is a thousand dollars worth of fines. If you and your spouse and your next door neighbor couple was in the back seat and you all came together, there's two thousand dollars in that car. And this is what they're doing. They have done it. They arrested the guy that was out in the middle of the ocean on a paddleboard. They arrested him not because he was a threat to anybody, but because he was disobedient. He's not obeying the stay-at-home orders. The lifeguards tried to stop him and everything. They called Coast Guard, not the Coast Guard, the, um, maybe it was the Coast Guard. I think it was the Coast Guard. Anyway, whoever it was, doesn't matter. Uh, and arrested this guy. He was, he was fine. How, how much trouble can you get in out in the middle of the ocean on a paddleboard? They've gone completely mad. And I, I fear that it's not long before somebody snaps. I mean, there's, there's people that are losing money. I still refer back to Nevada. When you look at all those casinos that were closed, that whole state shut down. That whole damn state is going to, uh, you know, they're all going to starve to death. Here, uh, I've got relatives back in Nevada and they're telling me that looks, you know, it's very surreal to go and, and look around there because there's, uh, there's no lights, there's no music, there's no crowded sidewalks, there's, uh, you know, only lights enough for security and stuff, but, um, uh, airport, hardly any traffic at the airport. Very few airplanes coming in and out and very few people on those airplanes. How much longer do you think we can do this? This is absurd. So, you know, that yes, there were quarantines all the way. There are actually quarantines back in biblical times. Um, there's, uh, I'll have to find those references again. I looked that up this morning, but, or yesterday morning. <clears throat> but, um, there's th- th- these quarantines and stuff like this. Businesses shutting down and whatnot have happened all the way back in you know, the 1918 during the Spanish flu. They had some of the same type of stuff. Um, not as dramatic and draconian as what's going on now, but similar. 
So let's move on. I'm going to start looking to wrap this up here in a little bit. There's, um, you know, we like to think that the sheriffs will be on our side, that the sheriffs will try to hold some kind of balance there between uh, complete idiocy and anarchy. And um, the sheriff in Cincinnati said, plenty of room in jail for all those that are violating the stay-at-home order. Now, in, in a lot of places, these stay-at-home orders are stay-at-home suggestions, as, as it should be. Strong suggestions. Please don't go out. If you must go out, uh, wear your mask, wear your gloves, wear your glasses, uh, try not to spread this any more than it already has. Get your business done and get back home, please. And that's acceptable. That's okay. We can live with that. If you want to do otherwise, if anybody else is worried about their safety, then they need to not go out. You know, that's, that's up to them. But this, these orders and people getting $500 fines for listening to the church service in their cars, which doesn't make any, how are you violating the the so the uh, social distancing guidelines there. How are you violating this? I know you're not staying at home, but you're in your car for crying out loud. Is your car not considered an extension of your home? I know it is in New Mexico and pretty much here in Arizona and lots of other places. So if you're in your car, I guess you should be home. That would be my argument. But even if you're not, you know, so what? I hate these penalties and everything for victimless crimes. It's just, it's, it blows me away. So that story right there, I'm going to save that hopefully for Wednesday. There was a big, great, big bunch of bucketfuls of nails dumped out in front of a church in the, in the, uh, um, driveway of a church in, Maryville, or I think it was Maryville, yeah, in Kentucky anyway. So there were people in there that um, were, you know, singing their hymns and doing their thing. And um, the state troopers there, two Kentucky state troopers put quarantine notices on the cars that were parked out there and wrote down their license plate numbers. And inside the church, there was about 50 people there that have ignored the governor's orders there against mass gatherings. And this isn't the only one. They had a big one up in Idaho and a bunch of people that I know up there doing that one. But uh, ordered these uh, against this ma- these mass gatherings, and they wanted to attend church on Easter, as many of us did. We actually had our uh, meeting right here at home. And... Uh, it was, uh, you know, it was a very, very spiritual and uplifting thing. We had, had a good time. So <clears throat> several said they left and that they had no intention of abiding by the uh, notice on their windshields that called for a 14-day self-quarantine or face further enforcement measures. That, all, this is all about enforcement. Everybody wants to enforce something. Anyway, they said uh, Sunday that those who receive notices will get a letter asking them to self-quarantine. 
And so far, no one's being charged with anything. It is just a strong suggestion. So up to that point, we're still not doing too bad. But uh, after asking if the state would consider GPS monitoring uh, ankle bracelets, like they did in, in Jefferson County, and they said, well, it's not coming to that yet. We don't need any of that. So that's that's a good thing there. But the uh, sheriff there, or the whatever the heck he is, the governor did take the opportunity to uh, discourage the church from meeting in person. Okay, trying to discourage them is one thing. That is perfectly acceptable. There's not a thing wrong with that. Uh, it's the orders that have a problem there. But um, they have to decide at what point do their rights together to uh, to 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 gather in groups entirely to have people die as a result is what they're asking, which is kind of dumb. But so anyway, the um, the pastor of this church said he had no intention of ending his services despite the the pandemic and putting his church and Others in danger, he, 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 they claim. So they got to church Sunday morning, Easter morning, to find piles of nails dumped in the church entrances and parking lots. So um said he wouldn't tell his congregation to follow or defy the orders that the governor announced. So as it stands right now, the virus is killed or something is killed. 97 people in Kentucky. And there's another 1,800 infected there. So this uh, <laughs> everybody has to do what they feel comfortable with. He covered his own. This guy, uh, the pastor, covered his own license plate, as did other ones. But troopers just took down the VIN numbers instead. So this has this has so gotten out of hand here so moving on here this one here is uh, this was in Phoenix right here in our own beloved state of Arizona um, they are get the, there we go the, the mayor in, in Phoenix has encouraged people to call the police on anyone that they see in uh, large gatherings at city parks and stuff. You know, if you, if you want to get in a gathering of people and you guys want to share the coronavirus, that's your problem. Um, obviously, you know, somewhere there is a, a balance there of not allowing people to intermingle uh, too much with others. It's, it's a difficult decision. It's a really difficult uh, issue here where, you know, trying to not violate people's rights and trying to protect others. Um, there's, uh, there is a, there's a, there's a solid line there somewhere where um, people should be stopped and cited or, you know, sent on their way, sent the other way or, or something there. Obviously, you can't just allow people to um, intentionally infect others. So this is a hard one, and there's a lot of it's a it's causing a, a great deal of division, uh, a lot of division in the patriot community right now. 
and uh, it's getting worse. It's getting more um, more serious, I guess, is the easy enough word to figure out. And uh, I, I just, I just am afraid that it's going to uh, that something's going to pop here before very long. And moving along here, trying to get caught up. Let's see if I got any more. Oh, here's another one. Here's another one. This, uh, going back to our virus stories. I'm trying to keep all of them together because I've got a couple here that's non-related. But um, they say that as of when? Uh, today. As of today. They say 43% of small businesses say they'll be forced to close permanently if they don't get help soon. Now, we're going to talk about this help thing. I want you to remember this. Remember this story right here. We're going to talk about this more on Wednesday. Uh, I have a very, very neat, very interesting story to, to add into this that kind of ties in with this one. So um, uh, remember that on Wednesday. 43% of small businesses say they'll be forced to close permanently if they don't get help soon. That's the part I want you to remember for the upcoming story on Wednesday, if they don't get help soon. Small businesses can now apply for $350 billion in unforgivable loans as part of the $2 trillion coronavirus stimulus bill. Unforgivable loans. In, oh, I'm sorry, in, in forgivable loans. Uh, this, I, 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 I just don't see how in the world this is going to help our economy one tiny little bit. But, uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. They say that there's a, uh, devastating crash coming up. It's like we didn't already know that. People that have listened to the shooting bench, we've known that for a while now. So it says here 24% have already shut down on a temporary basis and 40% of the small businesses that are still open say they will probably have to close temporarily within the next two weeks. Though 43% of the 500 businesses polled said that they cannot survive without some sort of government assistance and or change in economic conditions. 46% say the economy needs between six months and a year to return to the way it was. Honey, it's going to be a lot longer than that, I promise. 54% of the American economy right now is in poor health. Of course, they're going to blame it on Trump. But Friday's poll results are a special edition of an ongoing index that the National Business Trade Association and the insurer MetLife have been using since 2017 to gauge small business attitudes and economic conditions. The index reached a record high of 717 out of a hundred when researchers talk to businesses about their confidence in local economies and other factors in December and January. Those same results showed a record 60% of businesses saying they were optimistic about the national economy. The uh, survey arrived after a key date in the federal government's effort to help the country's approximately 30 million small businesses. So there's quite a bit more to that story, but that's the that's the crux of it there. We've got several a couple other things I need to cover here real quick. 
Let's see here. <laughs> we'll end the coronavirus stories with a uh, there. This is a good transition story here, where surgically uh, intruders with surgical masks barge into a house. One of them was fatally shot, and the other one was beaten by the homeowner. This was in Chicago. So now even the the even the uh, Bad guys are scared. They're wearing masks as they go about burgling your house here. Uh, there's there's uh, interesting footage here from uh, surveillance cameras, from security cameras. Shows the moment when a furious homeowner defended his family as two surgically masked intruders broke in. Homeowner in Chicago area put in a, put a quick end to the attempted break-in during the coronavirus lockdown. Doorbell footage. <clears throat> excuse me. Released by police show two intruders, one 39 years old and another one 58, approaching the home in Chicago wearing gloves, masks, caps, and black jackets. When they tried to open the door, they found it locked. They spotted the doorbell camera. One of the intruders approached the camera and looked directly into it before knocking on the door. The door opens, and then one of the intruders can be heard saying, Hey, how you doing, boss? Two men then barge into the home, shouting and then be heard, including a female voice repeatedly saying, hey, that that doesn't that doesn't stop bad guys. That hey business. No, that doesn't stop bad guys. A few minutes later, the male homeowner, barefoot in a red T-shirt, shoves one of them out the door. He pins him to the ground and punches him repeatedly. As the homeowner yells for help, the bad guy escapes his grip and the homeowner, homeowner runs back inside the home. This is a quote from the paper from the Fox, uh, Fox, not from the paper, from the TV station there. After a struggle, the homeowner went back to get a gun from the safe as he saw the one pointing a gun at his wife and two children. Now let's stop right there. I am not gonna, I'm, I'm the bad guy, of course, if I, if I, uh, say that this guy should have done something differently. He did a good job. He killed one of them and, uh, and beat the other one up pretty bad. So that was a good thing. But I, I have to say, and I know this, I know being in Chicago was, has, is part of the problem here, but that gun should have been on him. Even in Chicago, you can wear your gun in your home. And, uh, that was, and it worked out okay for him, but it could have been better. Um, saw the gun, the guy pointing a gun at his wife and two children that was also armed with a knife, then attacked the homeowner, fearing for his life, the lives of his wife and children. The homeowner discharged around from the family handguns, a family handgun. Why didn't the family have numerous handguns? Striking him in the abdomen, the 58-year-old fell to the floor and died. The family went outside to wait for police. So uh, I just love stories with happy endings. You know, it's just great. And one last thing that I'm going to have to get out of here. Kind of a short show, but it's uh, better than no show, hopefully. And uh, be sure and be sure and stand by and join me Wednesday. I've got a in- very interesting story to go along with this. So here, last thing I want to share with you: there's a teenager here charged with murder after he shoved a young Marine out in front of a train. Uh, this was looks like part of a group of young men and whether or not the Marine being black has anything to do with it. I have no idea. 
but uh, he was, and the other kids were not. So we'll see what happens. Anyway, shoved him out in front of the train, killed him. And um, the Marine was, I, I forgot, he was 20, I think, what, 29, no, 24 maybe. Let's see if I can get that real quick for me. Anyway, he was 20-something. So family, kids, whole nine yard, two kids, I believe. Um, here it is, 18-year-old man, accused of seven Marines. Yeah, yeah, he was 29. 29 years old. He did not have kids and stuff. Apparently, he wasn't married. He had three siblings and his parents. So he was a young, single guy. And now he's been killed. So this is the end of a short show. Hopefully, Wednesday will be full steam ahead. But uh, we'll have a show regardless of how short it is. It will be current. It may only be 15 minutes, but we're going we're gonna to have a show Wednesday night, I promise. Okay, with all that being said, I'm going to get out of here. I have lots of stuff to do, things to do, things to do, places to go, people to see. And I will be back here Wednesday. I hope you can join me. Good night. Well, I didn't get dressed up for nothing. What, what do you want, Jeff? How can I help you? What do you want, Jeff? How can I help you? What do you want, Jeff? How can I help you? Well, yeah, um, I noticed that the defendant out of Portsite, Alex Taft, Jeffrey Gilbert, and Albert Johnson were ordered to a hearing on... Um, I was reading on the Internet that there's a group, it's very entertaining sometimes on the Internet, but there's a group planning to come into Quartzsite, I believe it's either August 25th or 27th, and um, their business to occupy Quartzsite. Now, I've heard that they are meeting at the town park, and I'm just wondering how you might feel about fighters coming in and trying to occupy Quartzsite. <laughs> consider it to be domestic terror, domestic terror, domestic terror.
thinking no more. And I don't blame them. They're not going to take this foolishness any longer. Just keep on. Just keep on. You go ahead. Yeah, go ahead with your bad self. Go ahead. You know, so their efforts were basically to shut down the, the government of Porto. That is the message, and that is the message that I'm sending to the people who look. Well, isn't that what happened when you declared that an emergency exists open-ended? Doesn't that create fear in the community? Um, you know, hopefully they're a peaceful group, you know, um, hopefully they're a peaceful group, but I can, I will tell you this, and, uh, you know, that a lot of these people that participate in this by reading the comments, um, there are people who advocate a violence. Fill your hand, you son of a bitch! You tell them I'm coming, and Jason's coming with me. You hear? Jason's coming with me. Another one bust the dust. Another one bust the dust. Ow! Another one bust the dust. Hey, hey! Another one bust the dust. We'll put a boot in your ass, it's the American way. Well, that wraps up another edition of The Shooting Bench. Join me Monday and Wednesday from 8 to 10 p.m. Pacific, and again on Fridays from 7 to 10 for The Shooting Bench. Good night, and thanks for joining me. No reconciliation No, let's rock it